anyway, uh, this is this is a fun topic uh, and a huge topic, and it was one actually I thought we wouldn't have to do. So if you don't have your book two, chapter five with you, here's a QR and a short URL that will take you, or you can just Google Campbellside for Charlotte Mason, parents and children, and that will take you to Campbellside. This will link you right to chapter five, though. So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, let's. Is it okay if we pray? Lord, thanks for today. God, we are all across the spectrum here, and Lord, some of us are in the throes of doubt ourselves. Lord, you know some of our kids are on the cusp of big questions. Others of us, this is all just um, preparation. God, wherever we are, it's not a surprise to you. So I pray that you'd give us, through your spirit, exactly what we need today. Jesus, we love you and we trust you, even if we don't know where the path leads. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Alright, anyone ever heard this verse before? I put it in all translations except for the original Hebrew, so, so no one would be off, but... Right, you, if you grew up in the church, you probably have heard or memorized tramp your child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he's not apart from it. Right? So, King Solomon, uh, we're just almost to the end of the passages of Proverbs where he's writing, and then it switches to the next author. Um, and so, the interesting thing about this is this is not unfamiliar, I'm assuming, to anyone. Um, but chances are, if some of us, myself included, you grew up in a setting where this was put out, maybe on Mother's Day, maybe on Father's Day, maybe at a parenting seminar, that it was taught in a way that this was a promise. Anyone ever heard this spoken of as a promise? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's not. It's not a promise. So, um, and this is a whole other exciting thing for me, and I love this, I hope I don't mess with too much right now, but really, if anything, it's, this is meant to lift a bit of a burden off that I think somewhere in the 80s we got comment to, if you do this, this, and this, your kids will do this. And it was well intended, um, but uh, I've spoken with a lot of folks in my church, and just who are a click beyond me, I was a kid in the 80s, but they were parenting in that setting, and their kids are now at a place where this isn't necessarily always paying out the way. So anyway, this is a promise. None of the Proverbs are, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, the Proverbs are not meant to be read as promises, quote-unquote, in the West think of them. They're truisms. They're best the Proverbs are written in a way that this is true in that it is the best way to live. Uh, John Piper says, uh, and to paraphrase him a bit, that they're true, but they're not true in every situation. So that I love, because he's usually not that foggy. But um, so, so anyway, if you've ever come across this text, or you've read, you've, you've had teaching in this, Proverbs are not promises. If they were, Solomon, who wrote this, tradition tells us, um, we wouldn't have Rabel, right? 
right after Solomon, the kingdom goes. <laughs> Should I tax or not tax is the question, and the kingdom splits over taxation. I am going to double tax you what my dad did. So anyway, so if it's not a promise, then that means that you're training up your kid, point them in the right direction, they won't depart from it. It's the best way for us to live. It's not a roll the dice, good luck. Um, wouldn't anyone ever uh, zip line before? Who's zip line? What? Where? North Carolina. North Carolina. Anyway, that's awesome. So zip lining is great. You started a spot. You ended a spot. It's exciting along the way. It probably feels a bit dangerous, unless it's like a really bad zip line place. In there. But you start where it's pretty good. You end where it's pretty good. And it's exciting, and there's movement, and there's whatever. When we read Train Up Your Child, that's zip lining. And it's not for real life. The reason this is worth unpacking for a second is because there can be a mindset of when we get to the place where our kids, all of our kids, begin to question, begin to doubt, there is the, but I did this, why now? And so, again, this is a, not to mess with your theologies or understanding of scriptures or whatever, that's a different thought. <laughs> but just to take a bit of the burden of, uh, and also to help make sense of the world around us. Because we all have people that we love and respect and who are a few meters beyond us on parenting or homeschooling or whatever. And their kids aren't doing the guaranteed thing that whatever radio program told us would happen. So, so okay. So we're in um, we're in chapter five, and this is a discussion in quote. <laughs> so we'll do this as, as fun and as best we can. Um, if you've got your books, we're starting on forty one. We're going to go ish through forty nine. Um, we're going to hit some stuff. If you don't have your book with you, uh, you can just Google uh, Parents and Children again for anyone who just came in, and you'll get it off of the Amazon site. So let's just, let's do this. Let's read the first kind of two paragraphs, someone, anyone, um, and they're up here, so you follow along or wherever in your book. Anyone daring want to read the first for us? Parents, revealers of God to their children. It is probable that parents as a class feel more than ever before the responsibility of their prophetic office. It is as revealers of God to their children that parents touch their highest limitations. Perhaps it is only as they succeed in this part they fulfill the divine intention in giving them children to bring up the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Awesome. Someone want to jump in and take the next? I will. How to fortify them against doubt. How to fortify the children against the doubts of which the air is full is an anxious question. Three courses are open. To teach as we of an older generation have been taught and to let them bide their time and their chance. To attempt to deal with the doubts and difficulties which have turned up or are likely to turn up. 
or to give children such hold upon vital truth and at the same time such an outlook upon current thought that they shall be landed on the safe side of the controversies of their day, open to truth in however new a light presented and safeguarded against mortal error. What, what jumps out at you from this? Either one of these. These are the same kind of three ways that we deal with things today. Right. That doubt is something that is possible and reoccurring, that it's common, mm-hmm. but there's a way to fortify and strengthen against it. Right. Anything mess with anybody or unsettle anything? Yeah. Responsibility? Yeah. What did, what did she say in that first paragraph about it wasn't small words? It touches our highest limitations. Such as our highest limitations. Our prophetic office. Mm-hmm. Revealers of God. <laughs> yeah, that's more than just we need to get through this geography lesson, right? <laughs> and yet, even in that geography lesson, the touches the knowledge of God. And so, um, which is amazing and incredibly humbling and all the cross the board of it. So, what we're going to unpack together are these three ways. So, um, anyone feel like you were raised in one of the three ways? Yeah? Uh, number one. So what does number one look like for, if we had a whiteboard and we whiteboarded, what are stuff that is first path? Tradition. Tradition. Trust maybe to the system, uh, culture, and society. Right. And I like to call it coasting. Right. Just let it play out. Yep. And it's interesting, in Mason's world, in England, primarily Anglican, right? Pretty much wherever you point the camera, someone who's baptized, grown up in the Church of England, who's gone through whatever, it's Christian culture, how quickly that's changed. And so some of the givens that she had um, aren't necessarily culturally the same givens that even we have here in the States certainly aren't there in England anymore. I think that the the youth would prefer the first. Like, your truth is not my truth. Um, you know, like young people, I guess, generalizing don't necessarily want to be told. So let me, let me figure out what's true for my time. Mm-hmm. So kind of the good luck mentality. This worked for me, here I am, you do the same, and we'll see how it goes. Um, Which works if, well, works, quote, unquote, if you're in a, like someone brought up, kind of a Christian culture, or if the culture of Christianity is the thing that you want to move forward, that doesn't necessarily mean a living relationship with the living God. Um, 
And so, okay, so that's one path. Um, we'll see whether or not Mason's real keen on it. <laughs> what, what's the other, what's another? The second one to me seems very reactionary. You know, whatever the, the hot topic is right now, let's drill into that. Right. Rather than, yeah, it's just reactionary. So you're following the lead of the culture in a way, because you're just dealing with whatever right. turn back. So let's just, uh, this isn't about changing or shaping anyone's views on issues in the culture. Let's just uh, use our, Mason calls it our prophetic office. Uh, a prophet in scripture is somebody who knows the time and speaks truth into the time. doesn't always have to be future telling. <laughs> so knowing the time, speaking truth into the time, what are, what are the issues of our time? You can choose your gender. Choose your gender, okay. See, we're all a little even uncomfortable talking about the issues of our time, right? God-given gender is not a given biologically. Okay, so let's, without, and here's the thing, we're going to bring some of these up, and some of us are going to feel like, I need to, like, push that farther to say this is where you need to land. Okay, so this isn't that point in the story. But what are... Let's be honest, otherwise we're just doing number one and we're not worried no, about... Love is love. Okay, love is love. Immigration issues. Immigration issues, yeah. Racism. Mm-hmm. How history is taught. Yep. Killing babies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Origins of life. Origins of life. Human trafficking. Trafficking. Health, wealth, prosperity. Prosperity, yeah, health, wealth. Tech, yep. These are all super easy things, right? The Bible is very, like, I like when the Bible talks about my iPhone. <laughs> right? So, these are all, and many more, right? Many of these aren't even ones that we, in our teens and 20s, were unpacking. So, then, put this on to those, like, who are in maybe positions of where they're writing or being published or whatever else, like, are even maybe a bit more removed from that. So, yeah, these are all the things of of that second path. So, okay, kind of if you've been around Mason a bit, you know if she brings something up, the beginning thing's probably not where you want to land. The middle thing, okay, I, I joke, I have a secret, I always jump to the end of the chapter, see what she's talking about, and I'll <laughs> back to the beginning and see. So, um, so that third path, what, what does that look like?
with an artificial solemnity of tone and manner intended to make up for the want of living meaning in the words. Let the parent who only knows one thing from above teach his child that one. More will come to him by the time the child is ready for more. And that's where we gasp, and that's where we rest. Because this is a really short catechesis, isn't it? (laughs) And yet, what she's saying is that vital truth, um, you go on in the chapter, and, and these are the things she lists as the vital truths. She says there's more, but it's Father God is giver, it's loyalty to a person, and that person is Christ our King, Jesus our Savior, and an indwelling of Jesus. These are the ones, out of everything she could choose, this is it for what she says on vital truth. Now, before reading Mason, if someone would have come to me as youth pastor and as a parent and said, you know what, let's just do this for four years while my student's in high school, I'd be like, I don't think so. (laughs) We're going to work through soteriology, we're going to work through the end of the age, we're going to work these are the questions in my mind that I think they have. But it's interesting that Mason brings these up and says these are the vital truths. And then she says that you may only have one of these. And there's more than these. So what? So beyond this, if you were to say, Jay, what? Okay, I'm, I'm, my kid's 11. I know it's coming down the road. Um, one biblical scholar says, start and hover over Jesus even though the stories of the Old Testament are compelling stories, if you don't know Jesus, the flood doesn't make sense. And so, I thought that was interesting. If you were to pin me to the wall and say, okay, Jay, those are great, what would you do for... Is there any other vital truth? I'd say there's kind of a single creed that across the board, any Christian faith will come back to and say, this we hold to be true. But, actually, there's more than just one. The Apostles' Creed, right? The Nicene Creed? Variation on one of those? Get that bit right, you're going to be able to get into other places. And so, but Jay, what does that have to say about Evolution. What does it have to say about this, that, or the next? Um, Mason has some stuff to say about that. So, so that vital truth is a big one. And then the other is she talks about uh, an outlook on the day. This, what? And anybody who kind of dug in on that, what was the outlook of the day stuff that she was talking about? It's a, it feels, at least to me, a little bit hard to get my head around it until like, I start... Uh, talking about it a bit, gaining my life. I didn't, sorry, just the chapter before I came, but was it because of the second scientific revolution and uh, that that was causing some doubts was mine? And so it was a distrust. Either people thought that to be a believer, they had to distrust the science of the times, um, and to, or to there, you couldn't be both. Right. And that certainly accelerated into our age, right? Science is this, faith is this, the two don't meet. Um, a 
unless you're a heretic, which is kind of silly because the whole world declares the glory of the Lord. I mean, stuff that is mathematics. I mean, it's just incredibly beautiful and scary. Um, so the outlook on on that she talks about that to me that stood out to me it's on page 42 outlook upon current thought let us look on the third course um, contempt, the contemporary opinion is the fetish of the young mind whatever is now is the most important or true uh, we're seeing that in our culture um, and she also talks about the importance of kind of knocking that off of its pedestal to say that just because it's right now and current and modern doesn't mean it's infallible, she says. And and this was the one that kind of shook me a bit, was um, uh, even uh, on 42, even at, even at the expense of the parent's authority. And so in us saying, I don't know, some of them when we were here asked, how do we in our house, not me in church, there are two different worlds, how do I teach Genesis 1? And it's a lot of Jay Patterson Smith. And it's a lot of, we don't know. This is the origin narrative that makes sense through this lens. And it makes room for other stories which don't push that out. And so she says, don't be afraid to, uh, and she says, even in things in print aren't infallible. Um, so I just got back from my trip to Israel. One of the places we went uh, was, it's called the Pompeii of Israel, um, at Bethshean. And it's, in, it's a Roman, uh, it, it looks just like Pompeii, city that was destroyed in an earthquake and abandoned, just been dug up in the 90s. And there's a bathhouse in it, a Roman bathhouse, which is a Roman bathhouse, is a Roman bathhouse. And while I was in Israel, I just fell in love with like biblical archaeology. So I subscribed to Biblical Archaeology Review, which is not neutral to Christian faith, actually. And one of the articles in there was talking about stone baths came into popularity. Uh, around the Roman era. And just a little throwaway line said, and there are no no known examples of bathhouses in Israel, Greek Roman bathhouses in Israel. I'm like, that's weird, because I have pictures of me standing in one. <laughs> and so, just because it's in print doesn't mean it's infallible. And so, culturally, it's very easy in our time to say, the ancients weren't infallible and throw suspect. But there's an addiction to right now is infallible. Another great example of this was Jericho. Finding out that dating on Jericho might be different. And that threw me for a loop. Um, but on page 42, she says, evidences are not proofs. What, what did that mean to you when you evidences are not proofs. There's a couple books out there that are evidence that demands a verdict that seems to say this will move us to, but doesn't work good in postmodern culture. So, evidences aren't proofs. I know one thing I thought about it, and that's kind of like 
place did this this mentioned Belshazzar, son of the king, taking payment for slaves? Archaeology proved the Bible. Except it didn't prove the Bible for how many? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. See, if we look to outside sources to prove the Bible, that is not the essential truth. The essential truth is God. That's where we start. If we start for evidences around us, Paul talks about that in the book of Romans, that, that we will drift and worship something different, even though God's made himself known. So the cool thing in this, though, is that it actually does kind of prove the Bible, because Belshazzar says, if you can, if you can uh, interpret this for me, Daniel, then you get to be third in command in the kingdom. What a weird, right? Third in command. Why third in command in the kingdom? Because he's second in command in the kingdom, because his dad, who's in exile, is actually the king. He's just doing the title of king. It's just really cool. This is the main point of Daniel. The main point of Daniel is not the timeline, it's not prophecy, it's not peace. The main point of Daniel is hope no matter what the circumstances look like. That's the essential truth of Daniel. See, this is just one area. It's like the worst discussion. I'm sorry to put you guys through this, me just talking. Um, but like this chapter, this chapter is like the, the unlocking of permission for you to say you don't know, to question the modern thought, to look for the essential truth. So Jay, that's great. You have a, I only have a youth pastor's degree, so don't get too excited about my theology. Here's a resource for you for helping with the essential truth and accidental truth. I've, I've pushed this in the past, and I'll do it every single time. It's John and his wife. Uh, this is actually written for um, Sunday school teachers. But it goes through, here's some historical context, here's some pitfalls for this text. Please don't say there were three wise men, there were just three gifts. <laughs> right? Um, and then here is the big idea in this text. It's, it's 150 or 175 stories. It's a pretty good place to start to cut our teeth on. Another another really good one is Jay Patterson's stuff, which is in the public domain. You can download it. Uh, another really good one, and, and here's the thing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm around, and there's no question on the safe. Okay, so if you want to unpack something in a little while, this is like my favorite thing in the world. So, uh, another um, is, it, I know Mason would use this if she were alive now, because she used all technology available to her. The Bible Project is amazing. So I've plugged Tim Mackey before, uh, degree from the University of Madison, University of Wisconsin-Madison Bible degree. They've got write-ups on every biblical book. They're working through all the big themes of the Bible. Uh, there's a flavor to their theology, but I would say for the most part, it's a good start point. So if you're like, hey, let's study Hosea. Oh my word, this is really graphic. And wow, should we do this with my 13-year-old? If you take five minutes and do the Bible Project overview of this, even with them, it will give you handles to start. So... Um, there's a lot in here. 
Mason actually ends this chapter. Did anyone catch the last bit she ends with? Maybe the last line for sure, but in the last uh, paragraph, what she's talking about. Then my secret sauce jumped to the end. That they're already aware of their own sin. They're already aware of their own sin. Even if they don't believe it as such. Even if they don't believe it as such. And we do wrongly to say that's just a childish thing. How amazing is that? How many, how, let's be honest, how many minutes did we all spend trying to talk about whether or not Mason believed in original sin? <laughs> Who cares? She talks about sin and rescued from it. That, at the end of the day, is the essential in all of the truth of Scripture. I'll never fight with somebody about the fish or the flood for the Red Sea because I need to talk about Jesus. And if we can get Jesus with our kids, if that's the only one vital truth that we know, and that's all, then you So, does that answer the question on gender identity or on marriage issues or on origin story or on end of life story or on, I mean, we live in a very complicated world, Um, but God isn't surprised by any of it and has revealed enough of himself in his word. But we can navigate this, and he's entrusted you into this time these kids. And so, with the Holy Spirit, you are enough. Don't need to know the Greek or the Hebrew word or which king followed what king. It's enough to know that the one who reveals all truth is right there with you in that time. Is it a guarantee that our kids are going to walk the path we want them to walk? No, this isn't a zip line. It's not but we are not without hope in the going forward. And so, soak in this chapter, soak in the big stories, feed your own faith life. Don't deny the questions that you have yourself. Let your kids in on those. All of it. The mess. Don't be afraid of it. It's part of the process. So, it's fine. That's all I got. So, but we're not leaving. So if anyone had anything, I'll stick around. But also, don't feel like it's all got to be now. So if something's simmering, let it simmer for a bit. And, uh, and this, is, this is honestly my favorite thing in the world, besides my family, especially my wife. <laughs> but this is up in there with that. So anyway, go, people, fear not.